What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual group therapy for everyone affected by Tony Stark's Snap. This is as good a time as any to tell you that parental discretion is advised when listening to After the Snap. I say some real fucked up shit. So, did you guys think to yourselves, Tasha is going to lose her shit when she sees this trailer? Did that thought cross your mind? Did you you think about me? Well, if so, you were correct. Yes, I did. I'm working a different schedule at work, which takes me to work at 4 a.m. and I get off at noon. So when the trailer dropped, I was at work. I get off at noon. And unbeknownst to me, when I log into my social medias, I just see it everywhere. It's just everywhere, like memes about this this trailer. So I had to hurry and look it up. And yes, I really did lose my shit when I saw that trailer. Okay, first things first, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me on yet another episode of After the Snap. And if this is your first time hanging out with me, welcome to the show. Welcome to the party. I am also grateful for everyone who takes the time out to listen. I still need ratings, reviews, and subscribers. So if you come back every week to listen to me and take a, take on sci-fi, fantasy, and superhero movies just a little too seriously, do me a solid and hit that favorites icon or the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen on. Help me grow. Now, now that we've got the preliminaries out of the way, let's take a trip. Let's take a trip. Let's jump in our way back machine and go to 2016. Let's visit the 14th film in the MCU. That's right. We're headed we're headed to Comertage to eavesdrop as the ancient one drops some knowledge on Stephen Strange. universe 
is only one of an infinite number. Worlds without end. Some benevolent and life-giving. Others filled with malice and hunger. Dark places where powers older than time lie ravenous and waiting. So we get it. In 2016, the Ancient One introduces to Strange and by proxy to us, the existence of the multiverse. So let's let's get back in the Wayback Machine. Get back in the Wayback Machine and let's go to 2012. Drop. This time you're going to have to take my word for it that when Banner and the Ancient One spoke in Endgame, the multiverse was only a theory. It was something that could be avoided. The Ancient One and Banner agreed that putting the stones back exactly in the spot on the timeline where they took them would negate the potential for the branches on the timeline, which would create these multiple universes. So evidently, in that four years, uh, something occurred. Something occurred that made the multiverse no longer a theory, but a reality. I submit that Loki's escape with the Tesseract created the multiverse that was introduced in Doctor Strange. So, yes, the multiverse that was pitched to Doctor Strange was created by Loki. Oh my God, here's this music. I know you know what that means. That I don't know what the fuck I'm about to be talking about. Thinking, just thinking about explaining how is giving me a headache. So I won't. I'm not going to tell you how. I'm still waiting on any volunteer to help me on the time travel episode. So hit me up if you'd like to assist. Or we can wait for the Loki series on Disney+. Plus. But I'm not about to try to wrap my mind around how or explaining how. Not by myself, not today. You want to help me? Hit a sister up. All right, all right, all right. Back to the Wayback Machine. Back, back, back to the Wayback Machine. 
We're gonna go 2016. Matter of fact, let's move forward. Twenty sixteen, twenty eighteen, twenty twenty three. Now, in this new trailer for Far From Home, we are first of all assuming that it is in the same year that was the last known time in Endgame. We we know that the events of Endgame happened five years after the events of Infinity War which would have started in game that where we met the Hulk and his new professor Hulk persona, that would have been 2023. So I'm assuming that the rest of the events after that are in the same calendar year. Doesn't mean that I'm right. It just means that I'm assuming this, right? But in this new trailer for far from home, we're getting a glimpse of a world post in game. So Tom Holland, you know, at the beginning, he warns us about spoilers and just think of the freaking irony of that. Tom Holland warning everybody about some freaking spoilers. But anyway, we initially see Peter Parker facing a mural of Iron Man and we can sense that this kid still is dealing with the grief of losing his heroic mentor. So he's wearing his Iron Spider uh, uniform, like keeping this costume keeps Tony alive. And he's, he's having a heart to heart with Happy Hogan, who also misses Tony greatly. But he reassures Peter that Tony knew he was leaving the world in good hands when he made the ultimate sacrifice. I'll bet he didn't know that Cap was leaving and that Thor would leave. Captain Marvel would be busy all the damn time, but I digress. Uh, we watch Spidey take down some bad guys, give the police some vintage Spider-Man snark, and announce he's going on vacation. That's right. He is going on vacation. Taking time off. Next scene. We see Pete still in the Iron Spider suit. He's arguing with Happy Hogan, who tells him that Nick Fury is phoning him. And after some back and forth, Peter sends the call to voicemail. And Happy tells him, you don't ghost Nick Fury, which I thought was hilarious because you're right. If there is anybody in the world that you don't want to just send the voicemail, just ignore his call. It's fucking Nick Fury. Well, moving on, we see the kids having fun on this European vacation. And uh, then we see the scene from the first trailer where Nick Fury tranks Ned. Except we can sense his aggravation a bit more in this scene. You know, he, he was like, oh, Spider-Man, we finally meet. But in this one, he's like, you know, you're a hard man to catch up to. And I'm pretty sure he's pissed because he knows that he was being ignored. But anyway, see, Fury is there to enlist Sp uh, Spidey's help. A stranger from another Earth named Quentin Beck needs assistance from the heroes from the 616. I mean, the prime MCU timeline. 
Uh, Fury explains that the snap, I don't know which one or maybe all three, but the snap tore a hole in our dimension, which has apparently created a bleed. And then the assumption is that these uh, elementals have come from uh, Beck Mysterio's world and Fury is demanding that Peter help send them back or defeat them. Now we can remember in the first trailer, there were a lot of uh, callbacks. Like if you look at the license plates of certain vehicles, or I think it was the uh, call number on a motorboat where the kids were uh, boating, there was a number on the boat. I can't remember which ones it was, which callbacks were which but each one called back to an issue of a comic book featuring one of the elementals so you can go back and listen to my episode called i forgot what it was called spider-man far from home trailer talk trailer talk i think it was quick and dirty and i, I had it, it was a real speeded up episode check that one out Listen to that and you will hear what comic books were referenced in those little Easter eggs in that trailer. But anyway, I digress. So Fury is demanding that Peter help send them back or he wants to beat them. Peter suggests, hey, maybe you should call Thor or Captain Marvel, which he's the first person that we hear call Carol Danvers captain marvel like ever we don't know how she got the name this is the first time anyone has called her that though that's amazing but uh but anyway after suggesting thor and captain marvel he's told that they are off world and unavailable that's respectively then after he tries to play the friendly neighborhood spider-man card Fury responds, bitch, please, you've been to space. And man, that must have been the funniest moment in the trailer to me. And I thought, I thought Tony was a bad mentor initially. Nick Fury ain't got no time for no kids. <laughs> now, speaking of mentors, it looks like Quentin Beck is trying to take over that role for Spider-Man and I don't know, that just seems like it could be dis disastrous, you know. But anyway, MJ seems to have guessed that Peter is Spider-Man and she says it's obvious. Now, we know that she is a very, uh, we know she's very cerebral. We could tell from the books that she was reading uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming and the fact that she was on this basically academic decathlon team. She's an intellect and she put stuff together, it seems, kind of better than most. She's paying attention. Let's put it like that. But anyway, perhaps she's being sarcastic also. Maybe she really knows. Guess we'll never find out. Well, we'll we will find out when the movie comes out, huh? We get some monologuing from Mysterio about using sacrifice to save the world. And I'm sure this is supposed to hit us in the feels considering we just saw Tony sacrifice himself to save the world. Um, we see Mysterio battle, battling the elementals, then a cut to Peter wearing Tony's glasses. 
he looks shocked and says, oh my God, which makes me think that he is seeing AI Tony. Hopefully, hopefully that is where they're going with this, which would make uh, my friend, which one of my friends from, from Ada Geeks, one or the other, I can't remember which one said it, but one of my friends from From Ada Geek said, hey, I think Tony Stark is going to come back as an AI. And that if this is the case, if this is where he comes back as an AI, kudos to you. I think that was uh, Eddie who said that, in fact. So uh, kudos. Anyway, speaking to Fury, Peter says the world needs the next Iron Man. And in a clip that just doesn't seem to fit as a response to that statement, you hear Fury saying, you going to step up or not? Uh, we do know, like I just said, Tony, I'm sorry, Fury has no time for no kids. He just don't have time for it. Now you'd have been to space. You fought alongside all these grown heroes. All of a sudden you want to act like a little kid. Are you going to step up and be the hero we need or are you not? And I think that's his that is his version of a pep talk because we've heard him do pep talks before. And sometimes they are very heartfelt, nice, and sometimes they are brash and right to the point. And in this case, he's using the brash and right to the point formula of approaching Peter Parker about stepping into his role as a hero. The next little clip, we got a good look at the stealth suit with Spidey running up a building with flames cascading behind me. I'm not behind me. I didn't run up the building. Spidey did behind him. And the stealth suit looks dope. You know, it looks, yeah, I can't wait for this movie because I want to see how many different iterations of this suit is he going to have? And is Nick Fury bringing all these suits to him? <coughs> the stinger is happy trying to evacuate peter's friends telling them to run to the jet which promptly explodes with him happy explaining new plan <laughs> the, the whole trailer gives me a vibe of this is not just this is peter's solo outing and this is him asserting himself as a hero, just like we saw him in the first in the first movie. But he in the first movie, it was street level shit. You know, he was faced with a few dilemmas and he found his way out of it. In this trailer, it appears that Peter Parker is reticent and he has a little reticence because he's just lost his friend and mentor, Tony Stark. He has seen some of the most, uh, we'll, we'll say, experienced heroes, quote unquote heroes on the team, kind of be affected, genuinely affected by the events of Endgame. And he is still a kid who just was snapped out of existence by an egomaniacal madman. And he comes, he's got a second chance. And I think he may be just a little afraid 
to use his second chance, his second lease on life that he was given by this mentor to use it doing something that would make him uh, susceptible to losing his life again. He's experienced what it's like to be gone from existence. That's insane for a kid. So or I can imagine him thinking about it a little bit more. And that everybody is pushing him into the direction of being, you're, you're the hero, you're the hero, you're the hero. And he needs a chance to wrap his mind around whether he wants to be a hero anymore. Sometimes they just want to be kids. And I understand that. He uh, has a thing for MJ. He believes she has a thing for him. He's on vacation. This is supposed to be a time where he's having fun with his friends and hear this hero thing comes in and kind of inserts itself into his life when he's trying to just be a kid. So yeah, that's going to be quite a bit to unpack when the movie comes out. And of course, domestically, the movie opens on July 2nd and Apparently, tickets are on sale now. I was able to get tickets with no issues, unlike the prior Phase 3 movie. And Spider-Man Far From Home closes out Phase 3. Uh, much like Ant-Man closed Phase 2 and introduced us to the Quantum Realm, Far From Home could possibly be taking us into the MCM, the Marvel Cinematic multiverse now i say possibly because mysterio is a known liar narcissist just plain egomaniacal dude so is it possible that he's just pulling fury strings and my son thinks that's the case he thinks that mysterio is just really pulling a fast one on fury and and by proxy spider-man so i'm gonna i presented that angle but i think we will have a multiverse. Hence, all the flirking in the first trailer. I mean, really, go back and look at the first trailer. If you don't believe me, there was a whole lot of freaking cats. But anyway, plus we've heard of the What If uh, series coming to Disney+. Plus. Suppose those are scenarios that have played out on alternate Earths. That could explain how Cap had the shield to give to Falcon. Because in the dimension he went to, his wife Peggy was the super soldier in the dimension. Uh, this would also be how we meet the Eternals and, of course, how we end up with mutants and the Fantastic Four. Even though I still think the gamma radiation thing is the key to the mutants. But that could be how we get the Fantastic Four in. And then go ahead and just deposit that billion dollars into the Disney coffers because I think this will be the first Spider-Man film to make $1 billion at the box office. And uh, mainly because it looks like it's going to be pretty damn good. Mysterio has the most comic book accurate costume, comic book and cartoon <laughs> accurate costume that I have seen in a long time. And it's following Endgame. I mean, this is the one that closes everything out. And remember, remember, 
what Ant-Man did at the box office when it followed Infinity War. And Ant-Man and the Wasp, that is. No, it didn't make a billion dollars, but it made a shit ton of money. And because Spider-Man movies always make a shit ton of money, I think that we could assume that it is going to make even more money than it typically makes. And that would mean that in if that were to come true, we'll put it like this. If Spider-Man Far From Home makes a billion dollars, that would mean that each of the Marvel entries this year were billion dollar entries. And that is insane. I mean, even, even without Spider-Man Far From Home making any money, they already have a billion dollar of film average for the year. So just imagine another billion dollars, but we could say another billion and some change from Spider-Man Far From Home. That would make this almost like a $5 billion three movie arc for this year insane but anyway tell me what you think about uh what i think i think about spider-man far from home do you think it's going to be the first spider-man movie to make a billion dollars how about what i was thinking about the multiverse do you think this is an actual introduction to the multiverse or are we being misdirected all right now also let me address these fans who are in their feelings about the Far From Home trailer, including spoilers for Endgame. Because there are people who are really plenty pissed off because how how dare they put trailer uh, spoilers for Endgame in the trailer? Look, Endgame has made over $2 billion in 12 days. In 12 days, it has been the second highest grossing film ever at the worldwide box office in 12 days. It is the first movie in a decade that can even threaten Avatar in a decade. You hear me? Can we concede that maybe, just possibly, Close to everybody that wanted to see this movie for the first time has seen it already. I mean, maybe, maybe they plan on making a shit ton of money from repeat viewings. Now, I'm not positive that uh, Endgame is going to catch Avatar for that reason. So many people have seen it worldwide. So remember, it opened almost everywhere at the same time, making it extremely front-loaded. All of the money or uh, uh, an abundance of the money is going to be made in the first three weeks. And we are in, we're heading into the third weekend, right? If it's still in the theaters in July, I think it will experience another huge surge uh, because of Spider-Man Far From Home coming out as well but there's going to be a tapering off if not for detective pikachu then definitely definitely for aladdin and shame on me because i forgot about brightburn and it debuts on may 24th just like aladdin 
Uh, it's directed by David Yurovesky and produced by James Gunn and Kenneth Wang. And this film explores what would happen if a child from another world crash landed on Earth. But instead of becoming a hero to mankind, he proved to be something far more sinister. Have you seen the trailers for this movie? These trailers look horrifying. Like legit horrifying. Just like that ominous thunder in the background. I don't know if you guys can hear that. It is freaking really coming down out here. But anyway, I really am a punk when it comes to horror films. I hate blood and gory shit. And I think I've told everybody this. But this movie, I must see. And if you haven't seen the trailers, do yourself a favor and watch them. Superhero horror. Tell me if this kid doesn't creep you the fuck out. So I was saying Dark Phoenix is my next trip to the movies, non-endgame, because I think I will be going back to see that again. But I was wrong. Brightburn is what I'm looking forward to. And I think I'm going to need emotional support after I see that movie. So glad that we have this new uh, group therapy, this group therapy. Uh, so glad that we have this new therapy group. Even though it's because of Tony Stark's snap. But without it, I don't know if I would be able to go see Brightburn. It's, it just looks like it's going to be a terrifying entry into uh, the superhero lore. And then later this year, we get Joker, which also, it is psychologically disturbing. I think, uh, have, if you guys, because because so much information or so much time was being spent on me talking about Endgame and what's going on with the movie. Wow. I'm sorry, this, this storm is really freaking me out. But anyway, because I spent so much time over the last few months talking about Endgame, there was a lot of things that I did neglect. And one of those things that I neglected was uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker trailer. And... Watching that trailer. Okay, let's let's go back to The Dark Knight. Heath Ledger's just absolutely riveting performance as the Joker, which won him posthumous, post, you know what word I'm trying to say, posthumously, posthumously <laughs> after he had already passed away, uh, it, it earned him an Oscar. So, Heath Ledger gave us this great turn as the Joker. And then here we are just a few few years later. And we have not forgotten Heath Ledger or his performance in Dark Knight. And we're getting another phenomenal actor to play the role of the Joker. But this would be like the Joker's origin story. And in the trailer... It's like you just don't know how to feel because of some of the things that are shown in the trailer. You have to wonder to yourself, who wouldn't lose their mind if they were treated like this man was treated? And then on the other side, some of the things that he was doing was just clearly 
clearly disturbing and not him doing anything uh, criminally disturbing, just what it seems like he would do at the crib by himself. That was some disturbing shit. So I'm looking at it like uh, this movie is horrifying for a whole different reason. It looks like a picture or a picture of a person who's been bullied and beaten by life and also who is mentally ill. Like, in fact, we see him uh, writing in a notebook and it says the worst part about having a mental illness is people wanting to pretend that you don't. Something of that nature. I'm going to look and double check it, fact check that. Okay, so yeah, what he was writing down was the worst part about having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. So clearly, they're going for the mental illness. And while we know that Joker has always been depicted, oh, just amazingly, especially so by your Jack Nicholson and your uh, Heath Ledger, those two depictions of Joker, he has always been criminally insane, psychopathic, sociopathic, something like that. But this movie seems to make it as if Joker is just mentally ill. And you can see he has a really, really kind of Oedipal type relationship with his mother. It just looks really freaky you know and clearly he has outward manifestations of a mental illness and he is treated very very badly by strangers in public because of these outward manifestations of his mental illness so it's almost like it's sympathetic and there are people who are who are feeling some type of way about us feeling some type of way about joker but uh Again, this is an alternate universe, Joker. This is a one-off. This story is not connecting to all these other Jokers unless it's this person is the standard that these other Jokers are trying to live up to. This person really had problems and it created a criminal out of him. He, he He's not a, a criminal because he's mentally ill, but he becomes a criminal because society formed him to be one. Society made him a criminal. So these psychopathic, sociopathic people kind of look up to the example of this person who was basically formed by society to be a lunatic, a, a criminal, and they have modeled themselves after him. And I don't know if I'm making a whole lot of sense. I hope I am. But that is one of the reasons why the movie looks scary in that sense. That Joker was created by society. And now the the, the people who have kind of looked up to him and made him something to strive to become. Because they are out here being using his image to be criminals.
still don't know if that makes sense. But if if it does or doesn't, we have Brightburn, which is legitimately something to fear. It is Superman coming to Earth, being raised by humans, and then realizing he has powers and using those powers to subdue the human race. So that's our first horrifying movie and then our second horrifying movie is poor man with mental illness which society beat him down and ostracized him and bullied him so much that he became uh, a psychopathic mad madman and turned into many jokers many jokers not just himself universe after universe of of joker two freaking horrifying ways to look at what could possibly the extremes of how one person who could have been something more if he was just treated for his mental illness and then how we have another who God damn it, if you'd have just landed on another planet, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I can't wait to see both movies. So I know I haven't given a whole lot of a whole lot of shine to either one of those movies, but they both look genuinely like you, you just it's going to be something to discuss. They are going to provoke a lot of discussion. If you have some type of feeling about it, oh, oh, they're tainting the Superman story. No, Superman is still a Superman. This kid in Brightburn, Kansas, is not Superman, but he does have powers that mimic Superman's. It is just going to be so amazing. Those two movies look like they are going to freak me the F out, but I'm going to see both of them. And in between, we're going to have, uh, what's, what's the name? Dark Phoenix and Spider-Man Far From Home. So that'll kind of get get those thoughts out of my head for another so I can be be able to go another round of superhero movies this has been a year for them we've gotten some good 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 superhero movies this year Shazam was just an excellent movie just absolutely excellent Captain Marvel was all right <laughs> Avengers Endgame was supreme superb ending for this 22 movie arc and then we still have so many more on the backside. I cannot wait. Cannot wait to discuss them all with you. In the meantime, you guys can write me whenever you want. Let me know how you feel about anything that I've said here today on today's episode. You can also please reach out to me if you would like to assist in breaking down the MCU time travel. If you think you've got a pretty damn good hold or handle on the MCU time tra travel situation and that you can explain it very, very well, hit me up after the snap at gmail.com. You can also find me on my social medias at After the Snap on Facebook, After the Snap 2018 on Instagram, and Snap After on Twitter. If you'd like to financially support the show, 
you can do that at patreon.com slash after the snap. You can also do a one-time donation at paypal.me slash after the snap. And I think that's going to wrap it for this week. I thank everybody for joining me once again for this episode. Hopefully I'll catch you guys this week, Friday, when we do, we're going to talk a little bit about some Mother's Day stuff the top five mothers from superhero movies and i think it it may be recent edition i don't know because i'm trying to think of some from way back but anyway you guys have any ideas for that you know where to hit me up please make sure you rate review subscribe to the show and tell a friend and on that note since i've got nothing else for you i'll catch you on the flip